This is a podcast by the Business Times. Welcome to podcasts by the Business Times. I'm your host, Chris Lip. Recently, my colleague, senior correspondent Leslie Yi, wrote in his regular column, The Level Ground, about renting as an alternative to owning your own private property. It's getting some traction with netizens weighing in and growing camps for and against. Even investment blogger Keith Ng of Investment Modes has written about his thoughts on Leslie's piece. So why did Leslie write the piece? Does he rent or own now? And what do other analysts think? Let's get some insights from Leslie himself. Thanks for joining me today, Leslie. Thanks, Chris. Happy to join you on my first Business Times podcast. Yes, and on a very hot topic too. So what was the impetus for this piece and why did you pick private property as opposed to HDB? Actually, during the Chinese New Year period this year, when social gathering rules were more relaxed than they are now, a relative, perhaps thinking that I may know something about property, told me his son said, it makes more sense to rent than to buy a private home here. My relative wondered if I agreed with this viewpoint. I did not have an answer then, but this intriguing question lingered with me over time and evolved into the piece I wrote. I mean, buying property is a big call given the capital sums involved. So it would be interesting to know whether buying makes financial sense. I focus on private rather than HDB, in part because with HDB, buying can trump renting, especially if one gets a good unit in the built-to-order exercise. One can get housing grants when buying HDB flats, and the BTO flats enjoy large subsidies. So certainly existing government policy does tilt the odds in favour of the buyer who purchases directly from the HDB. I thought as much. Here's Nicholas Mark, Head of Research and Consultancy at ERA Realty. The first home that most Singaporeans buy is very likely to be the HDB flat. If they buy the flats with housing grants or at subsidised prices from the government, they would already be in the money, as the flats are bought at below open market prices. When they sell their HDB flat in the resale market, it is very likely that they would make a profit. The capital gain from the sale of the flat is tax-free, and that capital gain has helped many Singaporeans in various ways. Therefore, owning a HDB flat is usually the first step on the property ladder for most Singaporeans. If that Singaporean household decide to forego the opportunity to buy a subsidised HDB flat and instead to rent their home, then they would have missed a valuable opportunity that has benefited many Singaporeans. So, Leslie, maybe talk us through your thought process as you wrote your piece. And did the process of working on this piece change any preconceived conclusions you had? Chris, my starting point was to use some of my training from my previous corporate jobs. Just as one would compare two business opportunities through scenario analysis, I did a simulation on buying versus renting to see what the numbers show. The simulation was kept simple, so at least I can understand it. On the buy side, I guess I was somewhat astounded by the power of compounding. If prices rise at slightly over 2% per annum, the $2 million home can be worth over $7 million in 60 years' time. I suppose 60 years is a very long time, but life expectancy today in Singapore averages in the mid-80s. On the rent side, 
a lot depends on what one does with funds that could have been tied up in funding the purchase of a home. I assume in this instance, monies are invested in real estate investment trusts or REITs. Because this is an instrument I'm familiar with, and also because this is a relatively low-risk equity investment that offers yield plus some capital gains. I suppose I was somewhat surprised renting could play to a draw versus buying, as many of us in Singapore are inclined to think owning property generates solid returns. Certainly, I'm very aware a lot depends on what the investments from the freed-up funds generate under the renting scenario. One may do much better or much worse with other investments versus putting monies in REITs. It looks like analysts see the merits in your arguments, but most cite personal preference as a prevailing reason to owning versus renting and not numbers. Here's Leonard Tay from Knight Frank. It is true that in the course of a Singaporean household's housing journey, purchasing a home or renting it can result in similar financial outcomes over the course of a generation or more. However, owning a home is a very personal thing and goes beyond just mere calculated financial planning scenarios. The long-term relationship with brick and mortar through ownership can be and is often preferred as it contributes to a basic human need for some form of physical security. And this characteristic is a very Asian one and also a very Singaporean attribute. I guess it all comes down to personal preference. For those who are traditional, owning a property would be preferred. While those who are more modern, willing to adopt a more contemporary, free-spirited approach to accommodation, renting for an entire lifetime might be preferred. What do you make of this, Leslie? Well, in China, where I was working a few years back, owning a home is a prerequisite for some men to find wives, in part because of the gender imbalance. Singapore has a very high level of home ownership, close to 90%. So that can also shape attitudes and preferences towards owning a home. Homes are interesting in both being an item of consumption and of investment. So I fully agree with Leonard Tay's view that many will not approach the issue of buying versus renting of one's own home purely from a numbers perspective. The view of one's spouse or other family members will have to be taken into account. Some young couples may find it fun to do up their own place. Some older people may want a place that they can occupy for many, many years. Whether attitudes here evolve to be more open to being permanent renters? Who knows? With more doing freelance jobs, maybe not being tied down to multi-year mortgages and having more financial flexibility matters, personal preferences certainly matter. I don't know the answer. But almost two years into the COVID pandemic, do we yearn more to hold on to something solid or do we yearn more to be free spirits? As mentioned earlier, investment blogger Keith Ng wrote a piece with his thoughts on your assertions. He seemed to have issues with the sums, in particular, calculations for principal repayment and stamp duty. What do you think? Thanks, Chris. I'm actually pleased that Keith did some nifty dissecting of my analysis. I am happy for the work to be scrutinized and to take on board constructive feedback. Specifically, the 100000 that I add to the cost of buying a $2 million home 
is used to cover stamp duty and minor works. Stamp duty itself, if you're a Singaporean buyer buying your first home, would be just over 64000 I add to that over 30 plus thousand in a sense to get a nice round number of 100000 and just add this to the purchase cost. The other thing I do is that with the principal repayment of $1.4 million, that sum of money that you put in is actually borrowed money from the bank. So in that sense, it is a real expense when I look at deducting my expenses before deriving the sort of net gain in my simulation. In this case, my net gain is $4.6 million and I do deduct this full repayment of the principal. What I'm trying to do with my simple simulation And there are others who would certainly approach doing the simulation with different methods or methodologies. I think the whole purpose of the exercise and the usefulness of it is that it helps me clarify my own thinking on buying versus renting. At the same time, I do recommend people spend some time doing simple simulations based on assumptions and methods they think are reasonable when considering making major decisions involving money, such as buying a property. If you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to BT Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now back to our conversation with Leslie Yi, senior correspondent for BT, on his piece, Renting Can Be a Viable Alternative to Owning a Private Home in Singapore. We also spoke to analysts to get their views on Leslie's article. Here's Dr. Tan Ti Kun, Country Manager, Property Guru Group. This article by Leslie has highlighted the financial advantages of renting and buying a property and that owning or buying a home isn't necessarily the default choice for everyone. For most Singaporeans, home ownership may seem like a given. But this article does jot our thinking to reconsider a long-held aspiration. Unlike homeowners, renters have little maintenance costs or repair bills and they don't have to pay property taxes amenities that are generally accessible for renters without the recurrent maintenance and sinking fund contributions aren't for homeowners who have to pay for regular levies in condominiums or whatever breakdown in their landed homes. Renting usually requires a security deposit equivalent to two months' rent, whereas a home buyer is required to have a sizable down payment when purchasing a home with a mortgage and the risk of interest rates going up in due course. Renters have flexibility in where they live, and their locations could vary, depending on their needs, including those of school-going children, without having to sell their properties to do so. Ultimately, home ownership is a very personal decision. It is very much dependent on one's current life situation and financial standing. For some, home ownership brings intangible benefits, like a sense of stability and belonging. For others, it is a straightforward instrument of financial gains and retirement stability. Buy or rent, property seekers should first comprehensively work out their sums by making sure their mortgage payments or rental expenses are within their comfortability and always plan for some financial safety net for rainy days, especially given the current uncertain economic environment. After all, having a place to call home is a marathon, not a sprint. Leslie, again, we're hearing personal decision and life situation, but your arguments tend to veer towards more objective and pragmatic considerations. Why was that? Dr. Tan is spot on in mentioning about life situation changes. 
I did allude that renting does give more flexibility to move home depending on life situation. One may want to move home to be near a workplace, a school, a place of worship, or a hospital depending on circumstances. Or parents may move and you want to move to be close to them. Certainly many things can change over a long period of time. I mean, if you need to move homes every 5 to 10 years, transaction costs can add up if you're buying and selling. You need to pay agent commission, some legal fees, stamp duty. Top rate of stamp duty today is 4% for any sum exceeding 1 million. You also have to be very careful in freeing up your name by selling one place to be able to buy the next so as not to incur additional buyer's stamp duty. My piece does start by talking about findings from number crunching. It is objective in that sense, although the assumptions can be debated. I write in the Business Times to hopefully provoke thinking among readers, and I think simulating rent versus buy does give interesting perspectives. In part, I did this because I want to know whether people who might be rushing to buy property for fear of missing out are right to have this fear or not. The answer may well be no based on the numbers perspective. I should note that some analysts did agree favorably with your conclusions. Here's Wong Xianyang, Head of Research Singapore, Cushman and Wakefield. Renting can be a credible alternative to buying a private property. Over the long term, it may even be the superior financial decision. But there are a few things to consider. If you choose to rent, there will be an impact on available cash flow as rents need to be financed fully by cash. A home purchase, on the other hand, can be financed by CPF and you can easily change the allocation of CPF and cash for your mortgage payments. Life can be unpredictable and unexpected expenditures may arise and you may need additional cash flow. Also, there are no private residential REITs in Singapore. If you're optimistic about the long-term prospects of the Singapore private residential market, then buying a property is the most direct way to gain exposure to this market. In sum, the decision depends on each individual's preference and financial situation. The ideal model could be a mix of both. Some households may prefer to rent first and buy later, depending on their family life cycle. Given how long you've covered the property scene here, do you anticipate this becoming a trend? Do you rent or own, Leslie? I note Sien Yang's comments on the use of CPF funds to buy property. There are certainly pros and cons to using CPF funds to help finance a home purchase. Yes, using CPF funds does not touch one's disposable income. But the use of CPF funds comes with an opportunity cost, as CPF funds pay 2.5% per annum or more. This is risk-free money paying much higher rates than bank fixed deposits or the Singapore savings bond. I think one needs to be very careful in evaluating whether to use CPF funds to help finance the purchase of a home. I am a homeowner. I guess this can be due to personal preference or perhaps more correctly, the preference of my spouse and I. For the HDB market, the government is pro-home ownership. For those who are eligible and can get a unit from the ballot, buying a BTO can be a no-brainer. I think it is possible that people become more open to the idea of renting, perhaps not permanently, but at some point in their lives. At one end of the age spectrum, older people may want to free up funds that are tied up in property. At the other end, younger people may want more financial flexibility 
be it to pursue entrepreneurial ventures or gig economy jobs? There seems to be some consensus that owning property may not be the best means to save for retirement based on you know what several of our colleagues have written. Where do you stand on this? Chris, I'm aware that there have been pieces by colleagues and others on why property may not be the pot of gold it was before. Certainly, there are caveats. Property market is cyclical. Catch the right spot and gains can be rather attractive. There can also be extraordinary gains that may accrue from on-block sales. In the very long run, if you believe in Singapore's continued economic growth, home prices should rise. Probably not as quickly as some years back. After all, there's an aging population and wage growth may not be that rapid in a mature economy. I think building sufficient income for retirement is a big challenge. We live long. Property can hedge against inflation. So in that sense, it is good. But the yield is poor. So property may work for some people to fund retirement needs. But some may want to see if there are better alternatives to residential homes. REITs, for example, may be superior. Yield can be better. There's scope for capital gains. And the vehicles are professionally managed with strong sponsors. I mean, if the investment market comes up with good products for retirement needs and people get educated and comfortable with such products, that is good. There will then be choice for people as to whether equities, bonds, tech investments or property makes sense for retirement. Thanks for being on the show, Leslie. Thanks, Chris. I enjoyed the session and I hope listeners find it useful too. We've been discussing whether renting can really be a viable alternative to owning a private home in Singapore with my colleague, Leslie Yi. And that's a wrap for this podcast by The Business Times. But don't forget to subscribe to BT Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.